we would like to welcome you to our weekly broadcast of Harvest Worship Center's Sunday morning celebration service. We hope and pray that you will receive something from the Lord today. And we ask you to stay tuned at the end of the message for more information concerning our church. Again, thank you for joining us today. Uh, just to kind of summarize what I want to talk to you about is I want to talk to you about our first love, our forgotten love, our remembered love, and our rejuvenated love. I feel like that uh, we are in a critical moment. We have been in a critical moment for for the last, you say, for the last seven, eight months. I, I say for many, many years uh, we have been in a critical moment, but it's taken certain things to kind of awaken us and make us realize uh, that we're facing times that we need we need more than ever to be in tune with what the Spirit has and what the Lord has. And so I just want to invite you to follow along in the Word today. And I'm going to share just a few thoughts and try to keep it brief because I know uh, we got late, a late start. But I'm going to share this with you today. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, is, uh, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Um, I want to kind of anchor us in those verses because we've been talking about the power of love. We've been talking about what that does in our life. Matthew 22, uh, 37, and then also Romans 12, 11, and Revelations we're going to look at today, chapter 2 uh, in Revelations. But I want to begin by talking about our first love. Um, I wonder today, do you remember your first love, your first uh, crush? Do you remember uh, that today? Um, now, a lot of times we, we don't want to remember those, especially in the present of someone else, but you can remember that because it was significant. Um, why? Because it was the first time that you felt loved. It was the first time you felt like lo- really uh, that somebody returned love. Do you remember what it was like? Number one, uh, you wanted to spend all your time with your first love. Every moment that you had, you wanted to be with that other person. Uh, they brought they brought love to your life uh, and wonder uh, in their presence. You wanted to be around them. Some of us uh, would do anything for them. There was no distance too far. There was not enough time we could spend. Um, it was something that we we longed for in our life. In other words, uh, it's like the lyrics to the song, ain't no mountain high enough, no river wide enough to keep me from loving you. And that's the truth. Uh, we When you experience that first love, uh, it means something to you. Our scriptures this morning are about our first love. Uh, we begin in Deuteronomy because I wanted you to realize that at the beginning, God established with his people that your priority should be loving him. Uh, in the beginning in the book of Genesis, the priority of Adam and Eve was to spend time with God, to have relationship with God. And they chose... Uh, by their own choosing, to forsake that love for the love of, of, of knowledge or, or thinking they would obtain knowledge. By doing so, created the fall of man. But in Revelations, the second chapter, 1 through 7, this is a, uh, the church of Ephesus that uh, John is writing to, and he is giving them the revelation or a vision that Jesus has said to them. And it says, To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the golden lampsticks, or lampstands. I know your works, your toil, your patience, endurance, and ha- patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who have called themselves apostles, 
apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know that you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love that you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent, and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this uh, this you have, uh, this you have, you hate the works of uh, the, uh, the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And just to kind of a side note, we, the Nicolaitans were mentioned in here, and for those of you that don't know, it was a sect of Christianity that uh, had blended with it paganism. So they still worshipped idols, they still carried on the culture of the Greeks and the Romans, uh, they would still have sexual immorality, but yet they claimed to be uh, Christ-like. And, and what does Jesus say? He says, you've hated their work, you've hated their false doctrine. He says, but guess what else? I've hated that doctrine. And so you need to understand God, he says, I've got that against them as well. Then he goes on in verse 7, says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. In other words, the church of Ephesus had one thing that they had forgotten, Jesus, their first love. In other words, they had been left out of the, they have left him out of the equation of church. And you say, no, church is all about Jesus. I've been to a lot of places and a lot of churches that Jesus has nothing to do with what they're doing. In other words, it's about their programs, their plans, their efforts, what they can accomplish, about their name, their fame, about their pastor's name and his fame, or or their music, and it's nothing to do with Jesus. It has nothing to do with their first love. We cannot afford to be like the church at Ephesus who had every element in place but forgot their first love. Amen. Evidently, they were about the business of the church, but they had forgotten what it was all about. He said in verse 2, I know your works, you toil, uh, your toil and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who are evil themselves, uh, or call themselves apostles, and are not, and found them false. Evidently, they were all about the business of the church at, at the church at Ephesus. In other words, they knew how to worship, they had great Bible study, and they knew how to minister to their community. They must have had a clear understanding of the gospel and the doctrine because uh, because they tested false teachers. So it wasn't their doctrine that Jesus had a problem with. It wasn't the teaching that he had a problem with. It was the fact that they had abandoned and they, they had, what they were doing had become more of a, a duty than a relationship. In other words, he says, "I you've endured persecution for my name's sake. You realize we can go through a whole lot of things and forsake the love of Jesus. We can be about everything thinking we're serving serving the Lord and not serving the Lord. I think of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, before he was Paul, was Saul of Tarsus. And Saul of Tarsus persecuted the church. But Saul thought he was doing what was right. He thought he was about God's business. And I'm going to tell you, it is easy for us to think we're about God's business and leave God out. And we can't afford to do that because we lose the power of his love when we, when we leave him out. Our church has all the right ingredients, amen? Uh, we have good Bible study at Harvest. I believe that with all my heart. Other churches do. We have sound teaching, biblical teaching. We have good worship. Uh, our ministries to our community is vibrant. In other words, we, we, we uh, participate in a lot of things. Unfortunately, COVID has crippled that a little bit. Uh, I, I'm hoping we're going to be a little more free to do it, but festivals, conferences, 
houses. We provide a women's conference, a, 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 a men's conference, a, a, a beautiful you conference. We, we're, we're good at, at reaching out vibrantly to our community. We have youth and children's ministry, uh, men's, ladies' ministries uh, that help our community. All of this is good and well, but if Jesus has abandoned in the process, if we forget our first love, then we are going to lose the power that comes with loving Him and putting Him first in our life. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Our efforts should be about the love of God. Yet I, he said, because you do all these great things, i got one thing against you. You've forsaken me. You've forsaken your first love. Number two, the problem of forgotten love. Revelations 2 and 4 uh, uh, makes reference to this. We're going to read this in just a moment. But he goes on, he says, the, the problem that the church at Ephesus has is they forgot their first love. The, the, in other words, they no longer had a fiery passion towards God. Everything they did was because they just did it, because it was what they were supposed to do. They had traded in a relationship for religion, and they were following religiously everything they could that they were supposed to do as good Christians, but their passion for Christ had died. We cannot afford to have a passionless love in a world that is growing continually cold. In other words, I don't know about you, but I hate this uh, approach to life. I hate this. I, 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 you know, These things right here, I know that they're necessary at times, but this is impersonal. This is impersonal. And our society has become, become ruled by being impersonal. We don't see one another anymore. I'm here to tell you, but before we wore the mask uh, 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 that, that COVID-19 made us wear, we wore a mask of religion. And I'm telling you, God is ready for us to strip away the mask and become that fiery, passionate, love-infested person that loves God with all their heart, soul, and mind. Everything they have. This world needs to see that kind of passion in the church again. In other words, a passionless love, that's a relationship killer. It kills all kinds of relationships. It kills marriages. It kills friendships. It kills uh, uh, any kind of relationship, and it will kill the church's relationship with God if we lose our passion towards Him. They had forgotten the absolute joy of knowing Jesus for who he was. You remember the first time you met him. I'm not talking about your, if you're like me, your you know, nine millionth time to the altar of repentance. I'm talking about, do you remember the first time you knelt and you asked Jesus into your heart, the passion you had, the fire you had for God, the love you had for God, and, and, and what happens over time if we're not careful, it can be replaced. We'll go to church, we pay our tithes, we, we, we participate in ministry, and we think that that is showing God love. That is not showing God love. That is showing God works. And if we will begin to love God, the things we do will be out of a passion for Him, not out of our duty or, or something we just do as good Christians. Number two, they had forgotten the, the love that that they experienced at the moment of salvation. In other words, that God loved them, not just the love that you had for people when you were saved, but the fact that God loved you unconditionally, that where you were at in that moment, as bad as it may have been, as awful a person as, I'm, as, as I may have been or you may have been, God loved us regardless of where we had been and what we had done. He loved us and we experienced that. They had forgotten it. They had forgotten the, uh, the, the lifting of sins off of their shoulder and the replacement of that sin with grace and forgiveness and mercy. 
We need to, we, we, they had forgotten that. They had forgotten the freedom we all experience in Christ. In other words, we can, if we're not careful, we can change, uh, trade in the slavery of sin for the slavery of duty and religion. And we can't afford to do that because when we do that, we forget the power of God's love. God wants our love to be passionate and real in this hour. They had forgotten Jesus and they had turned their walk into obedience without love, without joy, and it was only out of duty. That's the saddest, saddest existence we can have as believers is to go do a job in the church and not have any love for it, not have any love for what we're doing, have not even love for God, not realizing we're doing it for Him. We can forget who we're doing it for. Amen? If we're not careful, we can forget why we sing, praise team. We can forget why we play, musicians. We can forget why we sit in the sound room, in the media room. We can forget why we do youth ministry and children's ministry. We can forget, if we're not careful, why we do uh, uh, you know, men's and women's ministry. And it can become a job and it can become a chore instead of becoming a passionate desire to do it out of love for God. What, was, what, it, what it caused uh, causes the church to do is it causes the church to forget when we lose our passion, when we lose our first love. It does not say uh, it may uh, have been a matter of lost love or a lost passion over time. It says that they had walked away. They had forgotten their lost, they had lost their first love. Maybe everything else took priority. Sometimes if we're not careful when things begin to take priority over our love for God, we will forget that every good thing flows from that love of God. That the power we have as believers is because of that relationship with God and that passion for God. In other words, if we're not careful, the problems we encounter day by day can take away our attention and we can forget all about Jesus. In other words, we can pray but not really pray. Have you ever done that? I, I, I know it's time to pray so I'll pray and words come out of my mouth but there, I couldn't even tell you what I said. Have you ever been there? I'm here to tell you God wants us when we talk to him if it's one sentence of sincerity he'll take it over two hours of, of just blabbering out whatever comes to mind and not be sincere. He wants something sincere out of us. The, the planning and the programming for growth can consume us if we're not careful. It can consume pastors. I, I've been consumed by it at times. I know uh, fellow pastors that I know have been consumed that we're so consumed with the planning of growth and the planning of a church that we forget our passion for God, our love for Him, our love for others. And when it all boils down to it, if we don't love people the way that Jesus loved us, whatever we're doing will fail. Ultimately, it will fail because ha we have to have a passion. And number, the, the next thing I want to share with you, it might be too many drainers in our life. I, I call them joy suckers, but they, they drain us. In other words, we, we're hanging around too many negative people for so long that have such a negative outlook on our... There is so much negative right now in our world. As a matter of fact, we have an election, and I want to call this church, and I want to call others that are watching and, and with us. I want to call you to prayer over especially the next few days as our country makes its final decision about who they want to serve, not just as our president, but also uh, in, in our Congress. I want us to pray and seek God as a church. Why? Because we need the will of the Lord. And whoever comes out the winner uh, after election day, the fact is we gotta, we've got to lift Jesus higher than anybody. I'm here to tell you I'm not team anybody. I'm team Jesus, and I want to lift up the love and the power and the passion because what? The Bible didn't say if you lift up Donald Trump or Joe Biden, he would drop 
draw all men unto him. He said, if, you, if I be lifted up from this earth, I will draw all men unto me. Church, don't get caught up in the politics of things. Get caught up in the love you have for Jesus and lift him up during this time. This world needs to find their hope in him, not in the White House or on Capitol Hill. We need to find our hope in Jesus. Amen. Amen. So if we're not careful, we'll allow people to drain our joy, drain our love, and drain our passion. Amen? Then the next thing, third thing we need to remember is we need to remember love. We need to remember. One of the greatest ways to rekindle passion in a relationship is to remember why you got together in the first place. This is a marriage counseling technique that's used as we call it remembrance technique. And you you challenge the couple to write down uh, their love story, where they why we got together in the first place, what attracted us to one another in the first place, why we chose to be married in the first place. In other words, some of us, if we're not careful, we will, uh, we, we will forget about our first love and we need to remember it. How do we remember it? Uh, just real quickly, he says, uh, so, so, in other words, passionless love needs to be replaced with that first love experience again, that first love relationship. We do that by rekindling the fire. Scripture gives us the answer to restoring our first love in our lives and in our church. Revelations 2.5 just simply he says this, remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come and remove your lampstick from its place unless you repent. Jesus is calling the church to repentance. And I, I will keep beating this nail as long as I can because I believe until the church repents. Repents of what? Drifting from our first love. Drifting from our passionate relationship with God. I'm here to tell you when we rediscover and remember our passion and our love for God, great things are going to happen and great revival will be unleashed. There is power in love when it is remembered. When it is remembered. We need to remember where we once were, the scripture says. Where we had fallen from. Remember where you were before you met Jesus. Remember how hopeless life was. And you say, well right now my life is hopeless. Then I want to invite you to go back to your first love. To go back and do your first works over. And that may be going to the old rugged cross and saying, God forgive me of my sins. It may be that you go and you make things right with people that you need to make it right. He says, remember therefore from where you have fallen. Come to an, an acknowledgement that you're fallen. I think that the biggest problem that a lot of Christians have is especially like the church at Ephesus. They're doing everything right on the surface. And so they look and they say, but I'm doing so many good things. What do I have to repent from? Where have I fallen? Where have I come short? Well, I think that's where we have to be like the psalmist that says, search me, O God. Look in my heart, O God. Look in me and bring to my mind the things that may have separated me from my passion for you and my love for you. Number one, they first we need to remember, uh, we need to remember back to the time that we knew Jesus as our Lord. Amen. Remember the passion. Remember the desire. The burdens you had that were carried and lifted away by Jesus. You might be lighter. Life is no longer a struggle without uh, an end in sight. You remember that? And that? There was no end in sight. Then you met Jesus and there was hope in your life. We need to rediscover that again. Second, we need to remember when you experience unconditional love for the first time. Remember how his love felt. He didn't care who you were born to. He didn't care what side of the tracks you were from. 
He didn't care about your color. He didn't care about what language you spoke. All he cared about is you. He loved you for you unconditionally. He didn't care how great your account of sin was or how little you had sinned in your life. I think of me as a child at eight years old. I was a big sinner and I gave my heart to the Lord. But my sins were just as real as those who were caught up in all kinds of sins that, that we look and say those are just awful. Sin is sin, my friend, and we need that same love and unconditional forgiveness that comes. God will forgive. We need to remember that. Uh, you knew Jesus uh, would never leave you. Remember that? Uh, he would never forsake you. He, he never walked away from you. He loved you, and he loved you with a passionate love. In other words, we also, when we remember our love, we remember the word we learned uh, that, that came real easy to us after we experienced his love, and that was no. That was no. If you're here today, say no. If you're sitting at home, look at somebody, say no. If you're by yourself, just say no. You learn the word no when you experience that love. You were able to say no to lying, no to cheating. You were able to say no to sin. You were able to say no to temptation. Not by your might, not by your power, but by the Spirit of the Lord, by the help of God, by that love that had set you free. In other words, you learned to say no. We were able to say no to sin. Sin had lost its power in our lives. If we are being overcome by sin today, that's because we need to remember our first love and be able to look at, at that situation and say no again I don't want that in my life you were victorious and you were free from sin you were free free to become who God intended you to become so if you're stalled out in life and you're looking at your life saying I'm going nowhere I want to invite you to remember your first love this morning remember the height from which you had fallen remember uh, and repent and do that fir those first things over again repent of your wrongdoing repent of the things repent of the attitude of religion in your life. Lord, I've been doing these things just out of the fact that I'm supposed to do them, not out of a passion for you. I repent of that. Confess your sins, uh, the Bible says, one to another, and, uh, and, and we, we need to be faithful. In other words, John, 1 John 1, 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. He will make us brand new again if we will come to him and repent. It takes that. I think, you know, he will make us brand new. I love that. Uh, as a matter of fact, he, he declares through Paul, he makes all things new. Uh, we live life before God, uh, and, and sometimes we fall short. Anybody ever done that? Occasionally we mess up before God, and we da the damage can be severe. In other words, I, can, I think of uh, my truck. I, I, I got my truck. I loved my truck. It was, it was really pretty. And then one day as I was pulling out of our carport not paying attention, I scraped the side of my truck with the brick and just destroyed it. And it stayed that way for a little while because I didn't want to turn in on insurance because I have a teenage driver and I didn't want my insurance to go higher uh, than it already had. So I was like, I got to fix this out of pocket. And the out of pocket was expen expensive. But, you know, thanks to uh, economic relief, I got my truck fixed. And when I got my truck back, I expected my truck to look like it had never been damaged. I want you to know this morning that when we bring our damaged heart to the Lord, when it comes back to us, it's new. It's new. There's no, there's no sign that it had ever been broken. You say, my heart's broken this morning, Pastor. My heart's broken in relationships. My heart is broken because of everything going on in our world. I've got news for you. He still makes all things new again if we will bring it to him. In other words, one of the major problems that we have in this life is forgetting what we've done. 
forgetting our past and putting it behind us. But Paul said this in Philippians 3, 7, but whatever gain I had, I count it loss for the sake of Christ. He's saying whatever, uh, whatever I had accomplished up to the point that I met Jesus, I count it as nothing. And he had accomplished a lot, a Pharisee among Pharisees. He had risen, uh, some theologians claimed, high in the Sanhedrin. He had arrived religiously and, and socially in the Jewish society. He said, all that I count as loss for the sake of Christ. When I met Christ, that's all it mattered anymore to me was Christ. There's too many people wanting the recognition of men instead of the recognition of Jesus. I would much rather have him say, well done, than have anybody in this world tell me good job. Amen. Amen. And then Philippians 3 and 8, another powerful verse that Paul writes. Philippians 3 and 8 says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus uh, Christ, my Lord. Does that sound like a passionate love? It does to me. For his sake I suffer the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. He says everything else is just trash. Compared to Christ, I long for him. I want to gain Christ in my life. What would happen to the church if we began to look at everything we gain in this world as rubbish compared to our love and our passion for God, as trash compared to our love and our passion for God? Then Philippians 3.13 says, Brothers, I do not count myself as, as I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind me I, uh, and straining forward to what lies ahead. There comes a point in our relationship with God when we remember that love that we've got to forget our past failures, forget our religious duty, and begin to push forward towards the love of God. And when we love God with passion and we remember that love and we remember why we started in the first place, what we do in church, what we do for Christ is out of a love, not out of duty. Amen. Next, we have to focus our attention if we're going to forget the stuff in the past on Christ instead of setting our attention on, on the things. As the scripture says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Or as the as old hymn says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Amen. And the things of this world become, uh, 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 become dim, faintly dim. I want the things of this world become dim and Jesus to become real in my life. I want him to become large letter addition in my heart that I see him. And I don't see the failures of my past. Amen. Amen. Philippians 3.10, we're getting ready to wind up, says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and I may share his sufferings, becoming more like him in his death. In other words, I want to be more like Jesus, not just in the resurrection power, but also when I go through hard times. Philippians 3.12 says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. What a beautiful verse. I press on for what cause? Not for the crown that I'll receive one day, not for streets of gold, not for a mansion, not even for eternal life. I press on for Christ. That's what Paul said, that I want to make him my own because he made me his own. What a beautiful verse of scripture. That our goal would be to, to be with him and him alone. I was challenged by a professor in college one time and they asked us this. If heaven was not your reward, if, if eternal life was not your reward, if, 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 the, if that was not the promise, if all you would do after this life, after you serve the Lord, is lay down and go to sleep and never wake up, how many of you would still choose Jesus if heaven wasn't the reward? That challenged me then, it challenges me today. I want Jesus in my life and I want him alone. How about you? Let's press towards what he has for us, amen? Let's press towards the goal.
Philippians 3.14, here you go again. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in who? In Christ Jesus. In other words, it is Him we find our power and our strength. The last thing I want to share with you is rejuvenated love. I, I, I dare say that most Christians I know, including myself, have grown a little cold in their relationship at times, especially over 2020. We have grown cold. Sometimes we've had those hot spots where, where we get really fired up, but then we grow cold because we get so tired of what we're seeing in our world. I want you to know this is not the hour for our relationships to grow cold, but this is the hour for our relationships to become rejuvenated, become alive again, become on fire again. This is not the time for the church to quietly slip into the, the, into the, the, the background or into the... Uh, unseen places but this is the time for the church to arise with a relationship that has been rejuvenated by God a passion and an enthusiasm for Jesus like never before in other words this is the time for us to go forward he goes on in verse 12 and 1 of Romans and says I appeal to you brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living sacrifice wholly acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship we talk about worship and God loves it when we lift our hands he loves it when we clap he loves it when we play our instruments and when we sing but there is one worship that he longs for more than any of that and that is that we would present all of ourselves to him everything we have and when we do he will rejuvenate us there's one last thing I want to share with you Philippians 4 4 says this rejoice in the Lord always I will say it again rejoice There comes a point in our relationship with God where we have to choose to rejoice in the difficult times. We have to choose to rejoice when things just don't seem to be falling in place. We have to choose to rejoice. As we get ready to close out this morning, I'm going to take a moment and pray with us. And then the praise teams, they're going to be playing while we we do this. But I just want us where we're at. Uh, at home or, or wherever you're listening to this, I want us right now, if we could, just to close our eyes. And I want us to think a moment about when we first began with Jesus. Or maybe you're saying today, Pastor, I never began with him. I'm not saved. I don't know the Lord. Well, right where you're at, you can give your heart to Jesus. All it takes is for you to do one thing, to tell the Lord you're sorry for your sins, that you accept and believe that he died on the cross and that he rose from the dead so that you one day might rise for eternal life. That you give your heart to him and that you are committing to, to, that he from this point will be your first love. And then it takes for those of us that have been saved to realize that if we're not careful, we have drifted from the power of his love. We have drifted from our first love. We have forgotten that love and that passion. We have forgotten what it meant to us. We have forgotten what made us come to church in the first place or go into ministry for the first time or the first place. What caused us to want to learn to play that instrument or what caused us to do the research so that we could help our church in various areas. We've forgotten the reason. Today, we remember. We remember the forgiveness that we felt. We remember the passion we once had and now last of all we're going to ask God to rejuvenate us to bring freshness to our experience to bring freshness and newness to our life with him Lord willing if nothing changes next Sunday we're going to open the doors we're going to be right back here but I'm going to tell you this for some of us it's time for us to come back to church not everybody I know some are not feeling safe that's fine 
I'm not talking to you. I understand your situation. But I'm talking for those who have used this for a reason of I'm comfortable at home. I'm comfortable sitting around. I'm comfortable right where I'm at. It's time for you to get back to your first love. It's time not to come to church or turn on the the video at home because it's the thing that we do to say we did our church thing. It's time for us to get involved and on fire for God like never before. It's time to be rejuvenated so that this world might see and know that Jesus is alive and real. Will you bow your heads at this time? If you're with your family, if you just take a moment, maybe look at them and ask them, anybody, if they've got something they need to pray or you need to pray with them about. But right now, I want us to pray. As we pray, I want you to invite that first love to become real again, to rejuvenate you, to set you on fire, to remind you of that love, to, Lord, don't let me forget anymore, but bring a new passion in my walk with God like I've never had before. Let's pray. Father, I love you and I thank you, God, for the time we've had together. Lord, I ask you, dear Jesus, that your spirit and your presence, Lord, would set on fire our hearts today. Lord, that God, you would rejuvenate us, Lord. That God, you would set us on fire as we return to our first love. That God, we would realize there is power in love. Lord, but God, first we have to, Lord, make things right. Lord, whatever has separated us, whatever has caused us to drift, we repent of that. We ask you to forgive us and help us to move forward for you. Lord, we love you and we thank you. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray, God, that you would just have your way and that you would move in a mighty way today in the hearts of everyone, Lord, that's watching. In Jesus' name, amen. We would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. We pray that you receive something from the Lord today. Please share your prayer requests and testimonies with us by emailing us at tryonhwc at gmail.com. If you'd like more information concerning Harvest Worship Center, you can visit our website at tryonhwc.com. We would love for you to visit us in person sometime. Our services are held at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Children's worship is during our 11 a.m. service. If you would like to give to the ministries of Harvest Worship Center, you can also do this by clicking the Giving tab online. Once again, we would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray you have a blessed week.